Come on in, sit back and relax. You're listening to episode 217 of the Wealth Tech Today podcast. I'm your host, Craig Iskowitz, founder of Ezra Group Consulting, and this podcast features interviews, news, and analysis on the trends and best practices all around with management technology. I'm excited to talk about our two guests for this episode, both from Bridge FT. First is Joe Stenslin, their CEO. Joe has been CEO for two years. I know Joe a long time. I met him back way back when, when he was at SciVantage. He was a head of product there for many years and moved into head of sales and marketing. At the time, they were acquired by Refinitiv in 2020. My second guest uh, on the program is Jim Hayes, who is a strategic advisor for Bridge FT. Uh, he was a former Wells Fargo advisor, uh, head of Wells Fargo Advisors, uh, and head of Wells Fargo's Wealth and Investment Management Client Relationship Group. And before that, Jim was head of the Private Banking and Investment Group at Merrill Lynch. In this episode, we cover a lot of ground, including how Bridge FT pivoted from being a wealth management platform to an infrastructure play, an overview of their technology, including their multi-custodial data feeds, uh, a suite of services like analytics reporting, and billing all through a single API, and some of their uh, abilities and capabilities they offer to clients, such as reducing development costs, um, as uh, Joe mentioned, by up to 50%, and reducing development time by three to six months off their time to market for building wealth applications. All right, but before we get started, let's talk about tech stacks. Now, here at Ezra Group, we've seen literally hundreds of tech stacks from RIAs, and let me tell you, most of them are loaded down with tech debt. So you shouldn't feel too bad about yours, but let's face it, tech debt is like a giant anchor holding down your business growth. If you want to free your firm for exponential growth, you should run, not walk, to our website, ezragroup.com, and fill out the Contact Us form. Our experienced team can evaluate your current tech ecosystem, deliver targeted recommendations, optimize your existing systems and operations, even run an RFP and help you implement new software to get your firm to the next level. You can take advantage of our free consultation by going to ezragroup.com. A couple of quick housekeeping items. Please subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. And check out the Invest in Others Charitable Foundation. You can find that at investinothers.org. And now let's kick this thing off. I'm excited to introduce my next two guests on the program. It is Joe Stenslin, CEO of Bridge FT, and Jim Hayes, a Bridge FT strategic advisor. Guys, welcome. Thank Thanks. you, Craig. Thanks for having us. So let's do a voice uh, analysis here. Uh, Joe, say hi. Hello. That's Joe. And Jim, you say hi. Hi. Okay, so now we got our two voices here. So we because we don't we usually do one, but I'm, I'm trying to expand the, the podcast a bit and do a little bit more people on the podcast. So we're going to have two. Uh, this is great. Uh, Joe, where are you calling from? I'm calling from Annapolis, Maryland. That's an awesome place. At least, but at least you're here on the East Coast with me, so you understand the weather. Yeah. The, the and, winter and is, uh, is coming quick. Yeah. Where are you, Jim? Craig, I'm calling in from Jackson, Wyoming, and uh, winter is already here. Yeah. <laughs> I've never been to Wyoming. I don't think I've ever had anyone on the podcast from Wyoming. So you are the first. You win the prize. Great. All right. So uh, jumping in, Joe, give us and the audience a 30-second elevator pitch for Bridge FT. Sure thing. Uh, Bridge FT is a, is a wealth infrastructure platform 
that helps firms, any firm that's building a wealth management application, whether that's a wealth management firm, whether it's a wealth tech provider, uh, whether it's a consultant, uh, build their applications better, faster, and cheaper. So we provide infrastructure capability around data. So enterprise data management, we're essentially a, for the core custodial data, which is the lifeblood of most wealth management applications. We provide a, essentially an outsourced data lake with all of that information that allows you to fetch that and, and drive it over the API uh, for integration into your applications, the services, and the things that you're building. We also have a suite of services that sit on top of that, analytics uh, like performance and, and, and other types of analytics, advisor dashboard uh, elements, uh, billing uh, engine, uh, reporting engine that can all be utilized through the API or a headless platform uh, to integrate into any other application. So firms that, that you utilize us could be wealth management firms themselves that are building their own advisor desktops or client portals. Um, it could be uh, turnkey asset management platforms that are building their own uh, capabilities and platforms or direct indexing platforms. They need the core data and the services uh, and then want to augment that with other advisor productivity tools or like reporting and, and, and billing. Uh, and then it could be uh, a wealth tech firm uh, or fintech firm themselves. We have quite a few clients that utilize us, uh, including firms like, like Zoe Financial and Income Lab and, and uh, Dynasty Financial Partners. Um, that all use our platform for a way to get the, the data into theirs, utilize our uh, application-ready um, services so that they can focus on the things that really make their application and their business better and not the core infrastructure, which is pretty much similar across the board and doesn't offer an opportunity for them to differentiate. So they can leave the heavy lifting to us, cut half the development bill out of, of, of their, their timeline and their cost, and focus on what really is meant to make them unique rather than integrating yet another data feed. I've said this before. I told it to you. I love the idea. I love what you guys are doing uh, coming from Ezra Group and our, our incredible focus on integrations and data. Uh, hearing what you guys are doing really warms my heart, I have to say. Uh, but how did you get here? If you can just do maybe two or th like three or four minutes on that, because BridgeFT was sure. not a wealth infrastructure provider before you got there. That's right. Yeah, I'll weave those two things together. So I started off my fintech life at Thompson Financial, uh, like I'm not going to say how many years ago. Um, uh, we built the wealth management group there. Uh, actually, touched paths with you, Craig, several different companies, actually. Um, yes, we have that company, and bobbed and weaved through our career. Yep, that's right. Um, and actually, uh, while I didn't know Jim back then, one of the things we did, we launched uh, Wachovia's uh, smart station platform. Uh, we launched uh, Merrill Lynch desktop. So the Thompson One Wealth Management platform became the largest advisor used uh, platform in, in the country and still is, is, is uh, fairly substantial today. I then went on to uh, a startup. I sold that startup to a company called Cyvantage. Uh, Cyvantage was internet brokerage uh, 1.0. So any firm that wanted to have an online uh, internet brokerage, like we launched Trade King, uh, we would help enable that. And so a lot of that was the same infrastructure that I talk about today, um, but we were also delivering the front end screens and the capabilities as a turnkey. And throughout that process, it was always a lot of effort and customization and professional services we'd have to do on the front end which indicated that the firms, and even more so today, want to have control of that because that's their unique aspect. They want to control the experience that their advisor and their clients have. But the back end was actually the biggest part of the work for us. Um, and so uh, uh, at, at the end of Cyvantage, we, we ended up uh, selling Cyvantage, sold it to Refinitiv. Um, 
And then uh, the Cyvantage actually was spun out into the Beta Next group as, as a follow-up. Uh, and while I was um, while I was uh, at Refinitiv thinking about what to do next, I had this concept of a wealth tech API. And I actually started building a business plan around it and searched uh, for a couple places maybe to land it as a, as a new opportunity. And uh, an opportunity came across from from uh, um, from uh, uh, the uh, from a headhunter on the Bridge CEO search. Bridge had started life as a, as you indicated, Craig, as a as a software as a service for financial advisors. They sold directly to the advisor. They sold a um, brand new tech stack, all API first, uh, very lightweight front end running on on AWS. Used a third party aggregation service. Um, which became problematic over time. And so out of necessity, they built their own multi-custodial aggregation platform, integrated to all of the, the custody providers, and then migrated their 200 and some RIAs over to this platform. And around that time, the board was looking at the business and they were raising around and said, well, perhaps we have a big opportunity in enterprise data management type service in wealth management, because if this had this big impact on us, and and the impact was was very large, like from a from a margin standpoint, from a customer sat standpoint, uh, getting that data part right changed the whole thing, changed the whole business, um, which just shows how important the, the data foundation is. Um, if we if that had that big impact on us, there's there's hundreds and thousands of firms that are out there that could that could leverage the same the same capability and value. So they decided to look for some some folks to lead that charge, and that's where it came along to me, and and it was a good match for this concept that I was already trying to pursue. So I, I took the job in January 22, uh, brought in uh, a bunch of my trusted team here. And we've been, uh, we had a two year plan to sort of convert the focus to an enterprise platform. We did it largely in 2022. Um, and in 2023, we've continued to execute that with uh, with a lot of uh, interesting brand names and and wins along the way. Um, and uh, and we're, we're just setting up our 24 plan to continue into that. We think it's a, the challenge for us really is it's a huge market and, and a huge focus and the expanse of what we need to do. Um, but the core fundamental foundation is there. The value that we're creating for these clients is very clear. And and next steps on that are exciting because if you think about it, Craig, the, the, the host of data that we have and all the value that could be in AI, machine learning and analytics, that next level, that next layer of the cake is really the focus for us in the future and the value. Um, the, the data as a start is one, enriching that data and helping it answer questions, provide uh, um, guidance and, and uh, what firms are looking for is, is the next step. And that's part of what we'll continue into the future. That's an excellent description. Yeah, you pretty well summed it up nicely. So the, well, I wanna pitch it over to Jim for a second. So Jim, with your background and experience in the industry, when you saw this uh, that was being done and, and saw this platform, what was it about it that encouraged you to to join and become a strategic advisor for the for this company? Yeah, it's a great great question, Craig. Um, you know, I've been on Wall Street about thirty five years, and I've had a, a foothold in Silicon Valley for about twenty five of those years, and I've always been interested in how uh, technology can really enable the client and the advisor relationship. And when I met Joe and the Bridge team. Um, you know, I was really wowed by their tech and their capabilities because I felt that it really addressed some of the problems that you see in the industry with large firms, as well as uh, 
sort of on the innovation curve. And, you know, just sort of broadly, you know, large firms tend to have their innovation budgets crowded out a little bit by other priorities, regulatory, mm -hmm. compliance, oh, yeah. uh, you know, items can be one area. You know, another challenge can be, you know, legacy systems that tend to be a patchwork that are built over the years. Um, you know, another sort of challenge that's out there is how do you create a true end-to-end -end client experience that's integrated across multiple applications uh, and manage through that. And what I what I found in Bridge FT was a firm that basically really thought about those problems as opportunities from the ground up. You know, how to synthesize data, how to create an API and services layer, how to uh, build speed of execution into the equation and really do what they do and allow larger firms and other firms to do what they do best, which is sort of manage the client and the advisor relationship. And so in Bridge, what I found is a firm that had really thought about the data and multi-custodial data, which I think is a big trend that's uh, probably in the second inning of what it could be, uh, number one. And number two, that really enabled REAs, broker-dealers, you know, wealth firms to really focus on sort of the front-end innovation piece and what they do. And so I think the marriage of those two things does exactly what Joe said, better, faster, cheaper. Uh, and really, I would say more accurate in terms of data and the cleanliness of the data that uh, that firms use. So uh, it's been a, a great relationship and uh, really, uh, really proud of what that team does and the momentum that they have. I'm going to stick with you, Jim. So going back to your days, not very far long ago as CEO of Wells Fargo Advisors, what would how, what would you have done differently if you had this technology when you were there? Yeah, so so um, it's it's a good question. Without commenting specifically on, on Wells Fargo, I would say for for any large organization that has a technology budget and has a you know a complex business model, you sort of make the trade off in your technology spend between keeping the lights on and maintenance type mm -hmm. of technology versus you know what are we going to innovate on, and I think uh, you know one of the things that big firms can generally do differently with technology like this is move away from a mindset of building everything internally and instead build the value added sort of, uh, you know, client pieces or the differentiated pieces internally and outsource the pieces that are the infrastructure and the pieces that allow you to, uh, to move more quickly. So, so one thing I would, I would encourage really all large firms in the industry to do is consider what they need to build versus what they should buy mm -hmm. uh, and look externally. And a good example of that is when you think of like uh financial planning tools, or you think of performance management tools, performance reporting, you know, many firms had their own proprietary tools that were built up over the years. Um, and what they've realized is, is they're actually really good providers out there that spend all their time and all their innovation dollars mm. on those tools and they develop them. And the trick then for the, the firm is to figure out, well, how do we integrate that? So it's single sign-on, it's a unified experience and whatnot. And how can we get the data imported into that in a way that makes the output really accurate? And so it's a, it's a great marriage between speed of execution and innovation and getting things done quickly and doing what, what big firms do well and uh, relying on external partners for uh, some of the infrastructure and ultimately some of the integration. Jim, you took the words right out of my mouth. Right, I, I I give this talk all the time because I get asked which is better, build versus buy, and there's no answer. There's no build, yes, build or no, don't build. It's as you said, build where you can add value, build where you can differentiate, and buy everything else. 
There's no reason to buy infrastructure. There's no reason to buy necessarily a financial planning tool, as you mentioned, that does the basic financial planning options. If you want to build something specifically, and we've seen this, you know, I, I, I partner with Michael Keatsis on the Advice Tech Map, which you can find on Keatsis.com. And yep. we're seeing the explosions in specialized planning, very niche, narrow areas where people are building areas that are not the normal financial planning, normal Monte Carlo uh, retirement yep. expenses. It's things like Medicaid and college aid, college uh, planning and such taxes. So you're you're really hitting the nail on the head there. Yeah, and I, I think it gives firms the opportunity to pick and choose an amalgamation of, you know, in the in the Kitsis chart, for example, there's a lot of choice out there. And then there's a lot of opportunity for for an REA or a broker dealer to then add their secret sauce to that and get sort of a win on both fronts. I think I think if I might jump in, Craig, I think one of the unique things though is that all of that unique innovation out there and this concept of buy versus build, I think it's a false choice. I think the answer is really you we need you need to build. Um, but you know, when you build an application, you don't build Oracle. <laughs> you know, you right. you you rent it. Um and so the technology tools that can be integrated and, and allow you to make a seamless application requires that you have API first. Uh, headless capabilities so that you can stitch together inside your own concept of the customer journey through financial planning, um, but, but then leverage that unique technology around the specialized planning, as you mentioned, or whatever mm -hmm. other service. And that's where I think large firms, particularly like the ones that Jim's been at, have to have that client experience and advisor experience unique to them in order for them to differentiate. It's hard to imagine, you know, the the top two uh, competing wealth management firms sending out the same exact financial planning report to all their customers and somehow say that they're differentiated in the financial planning they provide. Um, so they have to put their stamp on it. But that doesn't mean they have to build the whole thing. They can start with the core services that are there. Whoever wants to build a Monte Carlo calculation, who wants to build a performance calculation, who wants to worry about an integrated data model, those things can be uh, leveraged from a service like like ours and others. Um, it's really the stamp that they put on. This is the the, the way that their firm is going to manage the journey with their customer that, that needs to be unique to them. I want to shift gears just a second. Uh, back to Joe. Uh, one of the things uh, I like uh, about your the way you've, you've designed your product, as you said, it's API only. It's a headless platform. That's really the way to go, in, in my opinion. But what are the downsides? To, have you seen any downside? Was there any difficulty in in switching? Because Bridge FT was really the opposite up until then. Was where we've got a front end, use our front end. Yeah, you're going. We don't have a yeah. front end, so it's it's a big yeah. shift in mindset and sales. How do you shift the business from we're selling this experience to we're just selling infrastructure? Uh, there's a couple couple questions in there from a. The, the the challenge is that the readiness of firms to own that experience so that they're looking to take just the APIs. And and they're they're out there. It's just that it used to be probably at the larger firms and that bar is lowering. Um, I like to say that our service helps lower that bar because you could have your own experience now because if I can help cut 50% of the costs out, mm -hmm. then you don't need the budget. Um, but that, that lowering level is something that has to change over time. And I suspect that we'll continue to, to look and leverage development organizations, third-party development organizations that might be able to help 
use our platform to piece together for smaller firms that maybe don't have, you know, a bench of, uh, of uh, developers that are sitting there. But I believe very strongly that that bar is going to continue to lower because it's just part of what differentiates those firms. As far as changing the mindset, that's, that's difficult. And, and quite frankly, it's not done um, because uh, it's a, it's thinking about it in a totally different way. And, and that's a, that's a growing pain that we've had in this migration that we've made is, is you see people um, saying, well, wait a minute, we shouldn't be thinking about it that way. We should be thinking about what the developer at the firm needs to do in order to enable that thing uh, rather than our own application. When you, when you make your application headless, you think about it totally different and you have to help firm you know, the, your clients think about how they might integrate it, uh, rather than focusing on, you know, UX and, and UI, which are a whole different discipline. So that is a, it's a big change and it's a big change for firms to think about, but there's a strong pull demand in the marketplace for it, uh, because firms are looking to and and are actively building their own services. We found a real hot spot in the in the fintech market because of you know you're looking at the the Kitsis map. You know there's there's 500 firms around there or something, and probably probably a full 75 percent of them could use or need our data. Um, so for those firms, it's pretty lights out. If you've got a million dollars to go build your product that you want to try to take to market, do you really want to spend 500 thousand of that um, on integrating custodial data and and core services, or 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 would you rather focus that on what Ever it is that you're building, making that more and more unique, and that's just the common theme. Uh, and that that is a that is a change of uh, I, I'd say it's bigger than a change in our on our, on our uh, uh, company. It's just a change that's happening in the market. Um, and there's very good corollaries to that. I mean, this is this is what e-commerce is about. That's what that's what happened with e-commerce. E-commerce is full of infrastructure. I like to say that that we're going to do for wealth management what Stripe and Shopify did for for e-commerce, and it's very much the same thing. So would you change the name of the firm to Bridgify? <laughs> that, that would have been a good one. I mean, yeah. That's a free one. That's free marketing for you. You can take that and run with it. <laughs> I'm going to use that Bridgify. one. I, I absolve all, I, I, I remove all of my ownership of that. Uh, yeah. Back to Jim. Um, thinking, Jim, thinking about the the ability of firms, if, if a firm that were to use the BridgeFT platform, which is a single source of truth for multi-custodial data aggregation. What, how does that shift the mindset and the, the control away from vendors towards um, wealth management firms, where if you're a wealth management firm, as you knew as well as Fargo Advisors, sometimes the vendors kind of own you because they own your data. It's in their infrastructure. You got to ask them for it. It's in their proprietary format. They've taken it. And then you know you, you don't really own it as much, but if you have Bridge FT, if I could make a bold statement, you would own more of your data than you could. You would have that control. Do you see that? And how would how will that change the way both manager firms think about their business? Craig, Craig, that's a great question. I would say broadly, the dynamics in the industry have been changing for about fifteen to twenty years, where most of the power in the relationships at small firms and large firms is between the client and the advisor relationship, where it used to be that sort of the, the product approach was paramount, but products have proliferated so much that the real value that's exchanged and that results in revenues for firms is, is between the advice that's given and the advice that's paid for, sort of this mutual value exchange. So I think the first thing that, that Bridge FT does is it frees up budget at firms to basically focus on how do they enable that 
client and advisor relationship. The second trend that I see happening is, um, you know, advisors more and more are recognizing that they need to charge explicitly for advice um, and demonstrate what's the value that they provide for the fee that's charged. And so one way that that's sort of playing out is this notion of sort of multi-custodial or fee for advice services, where in the past, an advisor might only charge a fee based on assets that they manage. Whereas uh, what's begun to happen and is happening is advisors are now charging a fee on a total relationship. Mm-hmm. And they've always provided advice, but sometimes it's been subsidized by asset management or other things. Mm-hmm. So it, the analogy I think that probably holds pretty true is when you look at performance reporting and aggregated you know, performance reporting, that basically gives you a view across basically Wall Street for how a client's doing. If you were to take that and say, let's actually take our business practices and do those across the client relationship across the street and charge for advice, regardless of where the assets are held, I think it actually enables the advisor to deliver what they want to deliver. They want to be the lead advisor on the relationship and they want to be compensated appropriately for giving advice across all the assets, regardless of where they're held. And the multi-custodial data and having that in sort of a seamless way enables them to do that. Indeed. So uh, same question to, to Joe. From your point of view, how do you see this changing? Will this provide, give more, more power to wealth management firms if they have your platform sort of in, as an in-between layer between mm-hmm. the custodians and the portfolio management vendors specifically? Yeah, I I like the word control. That's it, it, absolutely what it does. Um, and 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 oftentimes when we're talking to firms, they're they're considering doing it themselves. In fact, instead of another provider, because they're seeking that control. Um, and and we give them that that control back without having to do the stuff that they don't really want to do. So I think I think that if you think about data as a as a core um, foundational platform. And then the old mantra about garbage in, garbage out uh, being important. Having access to that and having that understood is going to be critical to the success of what you're going to want to do next. And so that 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 amount of control is important. Layering on top of that, the services that are provided is similar. Um, you know, there's there's things that you want to build to differentiate yourselves, and there's things that you, that you don't need to. That it's going to be the same everywhere, and and that's where we try to draw the line. Um, and by doing that, that allows you to take, let, let's say it's 50% that there's a savings that allows you to take either lower the bar and do it for less cost or dedicate a lot of those resources to the area that's really critical to unique in what you're doing um, and spend more there to make that even better. So um, I, I, I completely agree. I'm glad we're on the same page with that. <laughs> Another area you mentioned um that your your product or your platform is a, is a wealth infrastructure that enables building apps. When you if uh, when if, when a, a wealth tech firm, as you mentioned, you know the the map that Michael and I work on is growing. Like we we just met, we just had our meeting um, two days ago for the the December map, and there's eight more vendors, uh, eight more eight more products at being at we uh, that we're putting on the map. What is uh, how long do you think it would take them to to launch a new product? built using the well the, the bridge ft custodial um component rather than building it themselves sure yeah i mean if you add it up that's that's part of what makes it so compelling for us with with wealth techs and fintechs is that no matter how you cut it, it it's going to take you 
three to six months to integrate any any uh, um, custodial source. And and by the way the world works, your first client's going to be on one, your second client's going to be on another, your third client's going to be on another one, um, or they have all three coming right out of the gate. So that could stack up to be a couple of years of work, and you've got three, four developers against it. That's a, that's a pretty big uh, check. Um, with us, we've done all of that work. And so we expose to you the API, you get normalized single format data set across all the custodians that you're utilizing. You don't have to run a batch operation. You don't have to build a database infrastructure. You don't have to go make all of that connectivity mapping transformation to each one of them. And you get it fully normalized. So your application only has to speak one language. Uh, firms firms have that up and running with us with, with three months, um, depending on the nature of their application and how much and complicated it is. Uh, we've had firms actually have a beta version ready before they sign the contract because we give people uh, sandbox access as part of our sales process. So once once we uh, once we identify the use case and that we're a good fit, then we'll encourage people to get into the sandbox and start building. Um, and we've had firms um, have uh, POCs you know done inside of 30 days. They've had their application integrated inside of 60, 90 days. Um, so that's a that's a big jump from from them going down the road themselves. And the and the thing I like to say about it is even if they went down the road themselves, they spent all that money and they did all of that. Did they do anything different that added more value to them? No. <laughs> Chances are they didn't do it as much because that's all that we're focusing on. So it's a from a from a fintech standpoint, it's a it's a lights out scenario. The other the other angle there, Craig, is as we go along and we start building this this. Uh, network of these fintechs and we're adding other data into that as well um the uh the the value for a land and expanded next step so for example we just announced a partnership with with intrinio so if if custodial data is one of your first needs that you have in building a wealth tech application market data is certainly uh number two uh if not reversed so coming soon uh, Intrinio uh, market data will be integrated to our API calls. So if you call a position call and you want to see that, uh, I can now decorate that with an updated market value. I can give you the data around a quote that you might want to put in a quote hover in your app. Um, I save you the time of having to do that. And you're now getting uh, enriched uh, extra value added data on top of it. Um, so I think uh, from that standpoint, it's it's uh, it's it's no doubt faster, but the experience. Our our intention is that in the end, the experience is also richer. That's important. Um, one thing I think also is, needs to be said is that the custodians, even if you have access to them, even if you have the developers and the time, custodians are backlogged. You can't just get access to, to their to, to to them and get their testing environment get and get in, they may make you wait for a year because they're. Yeah. we've been talking to custodians and they're all backed up. So mm -hmm. uh, it's another advantage for you because if, even if I wanted to build it, I may not even be able to because the custodians don't have time for me. That's right. And it's only getting worse. You just mentioned there's eight more companies that are that are coming in, in the next month's report. Like with all of that expansion, um, it's still the same firms. And by the way, those firms, the custodians aren't necessarily generating revenue out of that. And so that's not going to get easier. I think that there's an opportunity for, for Bridge to act as intermediary and, and a bit of industry utility to, to help uh, make that easier for even the custodians. Indeed. Right, we're almost out of time. Uh, Jim, your thoughts in terms of being a strategic advisor, where do you see other trends um, moving in the broader market that are favorable to Bridge FT? Yeah, I would say there's a host of them. I would say um, 
you know, I would say the trust business is getting more integrated into wealth tech stacks. You know, historically, uh, you know, trust applications are always separate because they needed principal and interest accounting. And so mm-hmm. they were thought of as sort of the separate line of business apart from regular asset management. But sort of the secret in the industry is 60 to 70% of new business that's done with trust companies is agency only business, which <laughs> yeah. is more similar to a you know brokerage uh, you know type of platform. So I would say one trend is uh, simplifying the tech stack by um, by uh, you know, on the trust side by having it look more closely to sort of a broker dealer type of uh, tech stack. I think that I think that's one trend. I think uh, you know secondly, this trend towards independence. Um, you know, the independent shops have been gaining about a half a point of market share per year versus the you know large and intermediate sized broker dealers. Um, the independent shops, when people set those up, you know, they're looking for ways to differentiate themselves. And so I think that, uh, you know, Bridge gives them an opportunity to focus on what they do best and how they, you know, differentiate their intellectual capital and thought leadership with the tech stack that supports it uh, is another big trend that's out there. And then I would say the third one that I that I kind of see out here is that, um, you know, a lot of advisors that I talk to, I you know, I ask them a question, are you an investment advisor or are you a wealth advisor? And they all usually say they're a wealth advisor. And then I, then you sort of get into the follow-up questions of, well, what do you do around planning, uh, both comprehensive and episodic? What do you do around uh, the banking side of the balance sheet, liability side of the balance sheet? And what do you do around insurance? One of the big trends that I see is that, um, and this has been said at a number of conferences, that planning is the new alpha. And so if you're really going to generate sort of great after-tax returns for clients, you're going to get close to them, you're going to understand their planning needs. The integration of like the services needs to go not only across different investment providers, but across planning, investments, banking, and insurance. So it's one holistic sort of experience for the client. Uh, And they feel that no matter where things are custodied, they can make sense of it in a holistic point of view. So I think that's a, that's a trend that, uh, it's been out there for a while, but it has a ways to go in terms of connectivity, sort of horizontally across the industry. Your comment about the trust businesses is, is uh, so true. We see that a lot. Do you think, um, and one of the issues is that a trust account, opening the account on the trust platform is a lot more expensive than opening it on the agency platform, but firms just to default to the trust because it's there. So, so Joe, if they were connected to Bridge FT, could that, would that make it easier to open up agency business from a trust standpoint, they wouldn't have to put it all on the trust platform. Yeah. So today we, we support that by, by wherever that data is coming from uh, and bringing that together for them in the future. One of our initiatives is we're going to be tying in similar to, to aggregating the data. Uh, we're going to be tying in and unifying some of the API sets that allow um, uh, I'll call it transactional and, and uh, uh, capabilities on those platforms. So, like a unified account opening API against multiple custodians. So simplifying that process so that, that whatever you're building uh, works. Uh, certainly initially, right off the, the bat, we, we make that easier, having your brokerage data sit right alongside your, your uh, trust data um, and, and being able to live that way in your application on the same pane. Uh, and then in the future, as we go along, enabling uh, functions uh, and capabilities on that, like money movement and, and other sorts that are coming off those platforms. So as an application developer, uh, you don't need to go and, and source that for for six different back office or custodians. I would like to get a hold of that because we're seeing issues where different vendors 
can't do things a certain custodian. So they're the the ops team are constantly task switching or rather constantly uh, what we call swivel chairing. Yeah. They're on the the portfolio management platform to do a rebalance, but then they got to jump over to the custodial platform to move money. Yeah. Can't just do it from one place. Or if they're journaling cash between accounts, they can't do it through the portfolio management platform. It doesn't have the capability. Yeah. So it's 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 causes operational operational headaches, I have to say, for for larger firms, especially ones that are growing fast. Uh, so yeah, I'm I think I think that. there's going to be continued pressure on that because what we're seeing, you know, what you're talking about is the desire of unification of the experience, and in mm -hmm. order to do that, the word single sign-on, you know, aren't used for that. That's not how the, the you need to actually have a single pane uh, and and interfacing with those systems behind the scenes to make that truly unified across that customer journey. As an example, what you mentioned. But you know, what, even why is there an onboarding application, a planning application, a managed account application, a surface service application? Mm -hmm. That's really all part of the same same journey. And and to get there, you're going to need to drive it with APIs uh, and enable services um, uh, to, to to multiple disparate systems below behind the scenes. Man, I could keep digging and digging on this. There's so much here to talk about, but we are out of time. Joe, where can uh, our listeners find out more about Bridge FT? Uh, bridgeft.com or on uh, LinkedIn. It's just that easy. Great. Joe mm -hmm. and Jim, thank you so much for being here. We really learned a lot. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Joe. Hey, it's Greg again. Um, here's my top three takeaways from this episode. Uh, Bridge FT used to be a wealth management tool. We were tracking it for many years. Um, really competing with Orion's and uh, Tamarack's and Black Diamonds of the world. And then uh, when Joe Stenzel came in, they realized they needed to pivot. There are just too many of these vendors out there and they did a smart thing. They became an infrastructure play offering a normalized multi-custodial data feed and a suite of services like analytics, reporting and billing, all available through a single headless API. And we like APIs here at Ezra Group. So big kudos to them. Um, their uh, outsourced infrastructure enables firms to focus investments on different uh, differentiated front-end experiences rather than building the plumbing. So it's a great business model. And they believe their impact can be uh, tremendous on firms that are building out technology, cutting up to 50% off the development costs and three to six months off time to market for building wealth applications. All right, you've made it to the end of this episode. Thanks for listening. But before you go, please go to our website, ezragroup.com, scroll to the bottom of the homepage and sign up for our newsletter. Once a month, you'll receive an email chock full of wealth management goodness, news, information, updates. You won't be disappointed, I promise. Thanks for listening and talk to you all again next time. Yeah.